Broadcasting from the Cruise Radio Studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Cruise Radio. Hey, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. We have a new website at cruiseradio.net. On this show, we'll talk to Linda Wolf, event producer for Vamps at Sea. Yeah, it's a vampire-themed cruise over to Alaska next year. We'll also get a review of NCL's Pride of America, and we'll hear from our Australian correspondent, Natalie Arroyan. Hey, guys. Hey, Natalie, who do you have lined up? President and CEO of Celebrity Cruises, Dan Hanrahan. But first, Stuart Sheeran, the cruise guy, is here. Hello, Stuart. Hey, guys. Hey, man. So uh, Royal Caribbean made good with those passengers they stranded in San Juan because of uh, Hurricane Irene, right? What's the latest? Well, the, the latest is, you know, to bring people up to speed, uh, because of Hurricane Irene, uh, the port of San Juan uh, was closing and ordered uh, Royal Caribbean and Carnival to get their ships out of port earlier than expected which essentially stranded 450 passengers. Carnival, with their 300 passengers, agreed to put uh, passengers uh, in a hotel for up to two nights and also fly them down to Barbados to catch the ship at the next foreign port of call. Now, uh, there were some passengers that did not have a a valid passport and were unable to make the journey. So if they were unable to make the journey, or didn't want to make the journey, uh, Carnival uh, did offer a future cruise credit equal to what uh, the passengers spent, and it was regardless of whether or not Carnival booked their air or not. Royal Caribbean, on the other side, took a different stance and uh, only covered passengers, uh, or the 15 passengers um, that uh, purchased the air through them, and, uh, you know, the people went uh, ballistic. And so they've had about a week and a half of getting you know, uh, complained about uh, all over in many different blogs and websites. Yeah, bad press, totally. Yeah, uh, because, you know, it just it just wasn't right to leave, you know, these, these uh, you know, 150 passengers, uh, you know, high and dry. It mm-hmm. wasn't their fault. But then again, it wasn't Royal Caribbean's fault either. So what did they do? So now what they did, uh, they announced, well, they didn't announce. It was uh, uh, disclosed to the affected passengers that uh, they are going to make good and, uh, you know, cover cover the costs and uh, reimburse passengers that uh, were unable to uh, make the ship. Well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, that, that was the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, so it's good we can all move forward now. Good deal. Hey, are the cruise lines back to business as usual after Hurricane Irene, talking about their private islands? Well, the, the private islands uh, in the in the Bahamas, uh, Disney's, I guess, um, may have uh, taken the, the most uh, damage, but uh, they are expected to you know reopen uh, to the ships this week. The other islands uh, are back, uh, back in business and uh, accepting uh, their ships. Uh, Carnival's using the you know Holland America's um, Half Moon K, um, which which is back in business. So you know, thankfully, it was very minor damage, and uh, the islands did well. Uh, the cruise lines did a great job evacuating the personnel and getting things secured to minimize the damage. Good. Disney Cruise Line is resuming seasonal Mexico sailings out of Los Angeles, but the question is. Are they still staying away from Mazatlan? Yeah, they, they announced, uh, Matt, that uh, they were going to be uh, staying out of Mazatlan and adding uh, an extra day in Cabo San Lucas uh, up until January. And now they, they announced that essentially for their entire season up until when Disney Wonder goes back to Alaska, they will, uh, at this point, stay away from Mazatlan based on their their current assessment of uh, of, of the city. So... It's unfortunate Mazatlan's a great uh, cruise port to go into, but, you know, it says a lot when uh, Disney says, you know, we're just not comfortable, so Mazatlan's out for the season. What cruise lines are sailing in the Mazatlan? Well, right now.
right now, Holland America and uh, well, I, I think it's Holland America, but uh, Carnival and I mean uh, and Princess uh, currently are both. Uh, staying away from Mazatlan at this point. Okay. So Oceana Cruise has announced that they're hiking up their government taxes and fees. What's up with that? Well, uh, what they're doing is they're, they, they announced that beginning September 1 that they are adding, that they will be adding up to $17 per person per day to their government taxes and fees to cover their operating costs. They They claim that uh, their their costs uh, globally uh, have gone up and unfortunately need to pass these price increases onto their passengers. And of course, as you said, uh, you know the big the big question is why not include that in the cruise price? Why not just raise the cruise prices? And the answer is if they increase the cruise prices, then you know that's subject to fluctuation. Meaning, uh, you know, if if the cruise prices have to be reduced in order to entice sales then they may get less than that $17 per person per day. Now, keep in mind that Oceana, uh, you know, tends to do cruises of, you know, 10 days or longer uh, on a typical sailing. If we're talking, uh, you know, a 14-day cruise, we're talking about $238 a person, up to $238 per person. Wow. And, uh, you know, that might make the cost of the cruise you know, higher than what may be reasonable. And, you know, if they have to discount, then they wouldn't essentially collect that 238 by putting it in the government taxes and fees, then it's you know it's it's not discountable, and they'll they'll, they'll always get that amount of money, and um, you know it may it may outprice them uh, and, and actually make them bring the, the price of the cruise down in order to compensate for this you know uh, price hike. All right, very well. As always, we appreciate it, Stuart. Hey, it is my pleasure. Oh, I should say, happy Labor Day weekend to you. Hey, and a happy Labor Day weekend to you. Have you been dreaming lately about a romantic tropical cruise to the Caribbean? Cruise one. Or how about a breathtaking scenic cruise to Alaska? Cruise one. Or how about the Mexican Riviera? Or Cancun? Cosmo? Or New England? Or Canada? Or Italy? Or Greece? Or the Far East? Or how about a cruise around the whole world? Cruise one. Got a dream vacation for you. Cruise one. Better send you on your way. Cruise one. Number one in cruising nationwide. One has more than 550 cruise specialists nationwide ready to help you plan your dream cruise. And speaking with a local Cruise One expert is as easy as calling toll-free 1-800-CRUISE and the number one. That's 1-800-CRUISE-1 or find us online at cruiseone.com. Number one in cruising Each episode, we give you Porthole Cruise Magazine's Pick of the Week. Coming up this Labor Day weekend, it's the 7th Annual Queen Mary Art Deco Festival aboard Queen Mary in Long Beach, California. From September 2nd through the 4th, the weekend events will include a welcome cocktail party and Bon Voyage pajama party on Friday night, followed by a variety of Art Deco lectures, walking tours, and an Art Deco bazaar throughout the weekend. The main Grand Art Deco Ball will be held Saturday evening, and an afternoon tea dance will wrap things up on Sunday. Both daily and weekend passes and packages are available. So check them out at queenmary.com for all the details. Our first guest is Linda Wolf, event producer for Vamps at Sea. Welcome to Cruise Radio, Linda. Hey, thanks so much, Matt. Homepage of the site. There it says it right at the top. Indulge your ultimate fang to see. Yes. <laughs> True. Was that yours? Did you write that? I did. That's adorable. 
Thank you. Adorable. And, and, well, right. you know, there there are a lot of theme cruises out there from, uh, you know, Elvis Cruises, which incidentally sail right here out of Jacksonville, to popular cruises with Kid Rock. What inspired you to do a vampire cruise? Well, I'm a fan of vampire genre. I read a lot, and um, I also like the books and, I mean, the shows and the TV shows and the movies and all that. Right. But um, last year we actually did a um, Twilight-themed cruise to Alaska, also on Holland America, and we had nearly 600 people sail with us, so it was a huge success. And um, basically the studio decided they don't want us doing Twilight, (laughs) just to be quite frank about it. Totally, ten times that. So... um, Okay, so we're not doing Twilight cruises anymore, but I figure there's a whole lot more to vampires than Twilight, and uh, right. we are doing vamps at sea. And whether you are into vampires that sparkle or vampires that are gothic, we're, we're going to have something for everybody on this cruise. Is Count Chocula expected to be on the cruise? Well, of course. Excellent. All right. Uh, what ship is this going to be on, by the way, and, and what are the dates? Okay, well, this is the Zyder Dam, June 23rd to the 30th, uh, leaving out of Vancouver. That's 2012, of course. Yeah. What kind of activities can the passengers expect? Oh, my gosh. Well, we've got a whole lot of things planned. Uh, several uh, guests coming with us, including uh, Dacre Stoker, whose great-grand-uncle is Bram Stoker. Ooh, fancy. We've got a vampire ball. We've got um, games like um, like Family Feud and Jeopardy and um, Wheel of Fortune that we do all the vampire style. So those are really fun. And we have a scavenger hunt. It's a week-long scavenger hunt, and you can only imagine what we're going to ask you to find. Will there be a blood-sucking contest? Let's face it, this entire cruise will suck. (laughs) Oh, boy. Will we see any unusual costumes? Oh, my gosh, yes. In fact, um, at at our costume ball or our vampire ball, people will get all decked out. Everything from Dracula style outfits to just anything that uh, you might see um, in, in today's in today's films as well. For more information, listeners can go to vampsatsea.com, correct? Yes. She is the event producer for Vamps at Sea. Linda Wolf, thanks for talking to us. Hey, thanks, Matt. Thanks, Doug. Our Australian correspondent, Natalie Arroyan from E-Travel Blackboard and Cruise and Review is with us, and she is joined by Celebrity Cruises CEO, Dan Hanrahan. Welcome to Sydney, Dan. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Now, we're really excited to have Celebrity Century and Celebrity Solstice homeporting in Sydney. Well, we, I can't tell you how excited we are to be here as well. So it's just a, a real thrill to be uh, in Sydney. Fabulous. What are your favourite features on board both of the ships? I know they're obviously different classes and yep. offer different different features, but what are your favourite things on Century and then Solstice? Sure. Can I go on for about an hour and a half? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I think about um, our ships. There's a couple of things that really come to mind. Is we work very hard on making sure our staterooms are beautifully appointed and that you're going to be very, very comfortable in your stateroom. So I think that we've got absolutely gorgeous staterooms, so I, I love that. But I'm a big fan of the restaurants on board our ships. And on, um, on Century, Murano is absolutely fabulous. And then on Solstice, we have Murano, plus we have Silk Harvest, Tuscan Grill. And if you go in an Aqua Class um, cabin, then you get the blue restaurant. That's yeah. your restaurant for the week. But And if you decide that you want to eat in the main dining room, um, we have worked very, very hard over the last three years to really elevate the quality of um, our cuisine in, the, in, all the, in all of our restaurants, and especially in the main dining room. 
So I'm an eater. So I, I absolutely love um, fine dining, and those, so those restaurants end up being part of my favorite um, place. And then I work it off in the morning. So <laughs> I spend a lot of time in the gym as well. So I like um, I particularly like sea days because we've built our ships to look outward. Yes. Many cruise ships are built to look inward. So I love sea days because our ships are built to look outward and you can you really feel like you're at sea. Now, how are passengers responding to the Solstice class of ships? Because they do offer so much more. Yeah, wonderfully. Absolutely wonderfully. Um, the It was beyond what we thought it would be when we did the Solstice uh, class. I remember when we took the ship out of Poppenburg, Germany, where we built her, a Solstice, and we were on that narrow river taking her to the North Sea for the sea trials. And I was with our head of hotel operations, Lisa Lutoff Perlo, and I said, we've really got something special here. Mm. You know, because you do the designs, and we love the designs. We spent three years designing Solstice. And you look at the designs and say, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. But until you actually see her come to life, you can't really tell. So we knew that something special was there, and our guests have reacted wonderfully to it. I mean, the, the awards we've won and the recognition we've gotten for these ships has just been um, really, really gratifying. Yeah. Do you anticipate interest from international cruisers as well as Australians with the ships coming down here? Well, you know, that's who will... The, we will bring a lot of international cruisers here, about 60 to... Depending upon the individual cruise, because it varies, but between 60 and 80% of the guests will be international cruisers. Oh, great. Okay. And it's one of the things that I think is really important um, that... Um, the Australia recognizes we're going to bring a lot of tourists. Brilliant. We'll make sure that we position the kangaroos really well near the overseas passenger you, terminal. So you that... know, I've been here. <laughs> I've been here since Tuesday. <laughs> I'm still waiting to see my first yeah, one. Your first kangaroo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've seen them on the side of the Qantas airplanes, but yeah. that's the only kangaroo I've seen since yeah, I've come. You need to head to Sydney Wildlife World. Yeah, but I want to see them in the wild. Oh, in the wild. Yeah. Yeah. A little further, probably. A little bit further yeah. out. Next time. <laughs> now, I wanted to touch on the comment made about Australians tipping that I oh, think may thank have been taken so out of context. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. Because, and then I thought maybe you'd like to clarify how tipping <laughs> is going to work on board the ships that come to Australia. The conversation came up at dinner on Silhouette, of all places, mm. uh, with um, nine other people there, all members of the press and a couple of our people. So that's how we got to the total of 10. And the conversation came up about Australians and tipping. And somebody said to me, you know, the Australians don't tip. And we've had many Australians on our ships. And believe me, if, if somebody doesn't tip, and it, it's a large group of people, mm. I hear about it. Yeah. It, it, it. It finds its way to me yeah. from our crew. I've never heard that about Australians. So I was a little surprised and taken aback by the comment. Then the conversation ensued. And we actually, here in Australia, when you look at a price for a celebrity cruise, tipping is included, included. as a line item in that number. Mm. So it's included. And then somebody said, well, how would they know how much for each person? And I said, well, that's, there's three or four different places. There's the website. There's the... Uh, also, it's also in our um, brochures, it's in um, guest, it's at Guest Relations, and we put it in the Daily Planner. So there's four different opportunities to educate our guests about the amounts of tipping. Mm -hmm. Somehow that turned into we were going to teach um, Aussies how to tip. Yeah. And so maybe because I use the word educate, educate. There's, there's different opportunities to educate them about the amounts, mm. not, not on tipping. Um, I don't think you can shift cultures. I mean, that's that would be that'd be a pretty brazen approach if we thought we could shift a culture. Yeah. So, 
you know, I was disappointed by it, uh, but um, you know, it does happen. But I really do appreciate your giving me a chance to clear it up. You're very me welcome. A very welcome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, absolutely. Thank and you for having me. Glad to have with us talk show host Barry Vaudrin. I'm assuming I pronounced your last name correctly. Is that right? Yes, you did, Vaudrin. NCL's Pride of America is definitely high on my list of uh, ships to cruise. How was embarkation? Embarkation was was a breeze. It was easy. Uh, they did a great job at the pier. Once you got through the initial line, after you got off the off the street uh, with your luggage and dropped off your luggage to be boarded onto the ship. A local Hawaiian gives you a an orchid lay, right? And uh, you get your pictures taken, and then you go to check in, and uh, then you board the ship. It's it's pretty simple. What was the itinerary? The itinerary we sailed out of Honolulu and went to Maui. And what was great is we spent two days in Maui, two full days, and then we went to Hilo, then to Kona, and in Kona we had to tender into the port, which is fine, and then we went to Kauai. And then back to Honolulu. First impressions of the ship? First impressions were, you know, the ship was beautiful. It was well-maintained. The interiors were very patriotic and um, had a a nice United States American theme to it. So it was really, uh, it was a nice experience. Tell us a little bit about the uh, public areas. When you first enter the ship, you you go to the reception desk or you pass by the, the Capitol Atrium, which kind of reminded me of one of the big uh, U.S. Capitol rotundas uh, with some big columns, white columns, and a red carpet and glass elevators. And uh, But the most uh, interesting element to that reception area is the, the U.S. seal that's embedded into the, the marble floor. It was really cool to see that. So I got to know, how is the food on the ship? The Pride of America has uh, numerous different restaurants. Uh, of course, Norwegian Cruise Line has freestyle dining, so you can choose where you want to eat, when you want to eat. Yeah. And they have two main main dining rooms, the uh, Liberty Dining Room, which is a very patriotic theme, and then they have the Skyline Dining Room, which has kind of an Art Deco skyscraper theme to it. And then there was uh, real fancy restaurants like the Jefferson's Bistro and um, then they have an Asian East meets West uh, teppanyaki room. Uh, so there's a lot of places to choose to eat, and, and I was very happy with the dining. And uh, what about the entertainment? You know, they brought on these local kind of cultural Hawaiian dancers that did just a fantastic job. Uh, you kind of get the flavor of being in Hawaii, of course, with the hula dancers and the hula, the the men getting up there and doing these cultural dances. And they had an illusionist on board. And, of course, they had Second City, which is a branded form of entertainment that Norwegian has on their ships. And that was really fun. Those guys are a lot of fun. What were the staterooms like, Barry? Well, you know, when you're on a ship like this, the objective is to to see the sights. You know, so the staterooms are small but efficient. Um, The one thing I can say about Norwegian cruise lines and the the pride of America is that the staterooms are very colorful. Yeah. Um, They're really nice, uh, you know, very overly colorful sometimes decor. 
And for all the gamblers listening, uh, do not expect to do any actual gambling. Isn't that right, Barry? The Pride of America does not have a casino uh, because it is in U.S. Right. waters and it that's is also right. a U.S. registered ship. Barry, were there any ports or excursions that were a real highlight for you? Well, I would say it was, it was particularly fun to stay in Maui for two full days. And then uh, I think my wife and I both enjoy Kauai the most, though. It just was so, so tropical and beautiful and yeah. very green. Uh, and the excursion that we went on uh, was the, um, uh, the luau in Kauai, which is absolutely a must for everybody to, to go on when they go to huh. uh, the Pride of America. Any first-time tips? Well, one of the biggest tips I could give you is, is either arrive a day or so early so you can acclimate, because it's a long flight to get to Honolulu yeah. uh, from the U.S. So I would say, you know, try to get there a day or two early. Then when you get on the ship, you're just completely ready to relax. Excellent. Very good. Uh, Barry Vaudrin, thank you for painting a lovely picture of the Pride of America for us. Hey, it really was a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks a lot for inviting me. All right, that's going to do it. Coming up next week, more with Stuart Shearer on The Cruise Guy. Take Cruise Radio with you on the go via Stitcher Radio. Check out all the details at cruiseradio.net. Stay on top of all the latest cruise industry news. You can go to cruiseradio.net, and under the heading Instant Email Updates, simply fill in your email address. From the Cruise Radio studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. And this is Cruise Radio. Thanks for listening to Cruise Radio. For information on how your company can reach over 100,000 travel enthusiasts a week, email sales at cruiseradio.net. Find Cruise Radio on iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Just search Cruise Radio. I'm your announcer.